0: So let me ask you a question. What is it that you lust for? What is it that you most desire in your life? Even in these past days, even in this past week, what is it that you have most desired, most craved is it a month's supply of toilet paper or our two-week supply of canned goods? Is it the safe return of your beloved child? Those things aren't bad necessarily to desire. But, but to what degree have you desired those things, those other things, than the thing that the Lord calls us to most desire? That's the question that the Lord Jesus confronts us with in our sermon passage, in our verse for today. I'll, open, I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've had the passages printed out in the bulletin. I think I might have this verse printed out, but I also want to invite us all to please open the Bible to Matthew chapter 5, because we'll not just read this particular verse, but we'll also look at the, at the broader broader context. We continue our study of this portion of the Sermon on the Mount and that portion of the Sermon on the Mount, which is referred to as the, as the Beatitudes. Um, let's read from verse 1 all the way through verse 16 today. Let's turn our attention to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Matthew writes saying, seeing the crowds, the Lord Jesus, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled under people's feet. But you... You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank You for Your enduring Word. We thank You for Your Word that is true in times of blessing, which is true in times of challenge, which is true in all seasons. Lord, grant us Your Holy Spirit so that we might rightly understand Your Holy Word, Lord, we pray. Amen. Blessed. The Lord says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And our verse for today has been the case in the other verses that we've been looking at these past couple of weeks. Our verse today shows us God's ideal of the pattern of life for the follower of Christ. In our verse today, the Lord Jesus tells us that those who belong to Him are to be characterized by a longing for, by a craving for righteousness. So the question for us is, does that describe us? Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Do you and I, do we crave righteousness? Do you, do I, is is it rightly said of us that we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Now, what can happen sometimes in the life of a Christian is we may hunger and thirst for righteousness in the world. We may hunger and thirst to see others show righteousness. But we may almost desire that more than we crave to see personal righteousness personal holiness be manifested in our own lives? It's that question that I lay before us so often. Whose sin do you most hate? Whose sin most repulses you? The sin of another or your own? Do you hunger and crave your own personal holiness? Jesus tells us that that's the key to happiness, that happiness, blessed happiness. And and get this, notice, happiness isn't found in the pursuit of happiness, is it? But happiness is found, Jesus says, through the pursuit of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, the world, of course, doesn't see it this way. This is countercultural. Our culture, and not just our culture, I think, but, but really all of fallen, sinful human nature, we have it wrong. Again, happiness isn't found through the pursuit of happiness, but Jesus tells us here that true, authentic happiness occurs only, after we, only as we seek after, only as we hunger something else. And Jesus says that we'll only experience true biblical blessedness if and as we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I don't know how it it strikes you, but but as I pondered this passage throughout this past week, I was actually kind of shocked by it. but Because... If, if true blessing is only found in the pursuit of something else, if true blessing is only found as we hunger and thirst for something, wouldn't you think that that something that we're called to hunger and thirst would be the Lord Himself? That, 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 that's what my ears expect to hear as I, as I read this passage. I expect to hear this passage to read, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the Lord, for they shall be satisfied. And of course, that is a true biblical principle, but that's, but that's not what this verse that we're looking at today tells us. But instead, Jesus tells us here that, that true biblical happiness, again, is found as we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. That that, that we must make righteousness be our greatest goal, our our greatest treasure. That we must make, make righteousness be that thing that we desire the most. The Christian, Jesus says, is to desire righteousness over all else. And if we do that, he says, we will be satisfied. You will be satisfied. Doesn't your heart want that? Don't, don't you want that for your life? For the lives of those you love? Blessed satisfaction? As you make righteousness be your greatest treasure, Jesus, the Lord Jesus promises, you will find that. That will be your reward. You will find full satisfaction. You will find blessing. But but what is this righteousness that we're to desire? And how do we find it? And and in so doing, find this happiness, this blessedness that that Jesus speaks of here. Well, of course, any righteousness that is ours comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Scripture says as much in places like Romans 3.22 and, and Romans 4.13 and Philippians 3.9. Scripture tells us, and you know this well, friends, that when Jesus went to the cross to make a sacrificial atonement for sin, for the debt that we owe because of our unrighteousness, that, that when He did that, that on the cross, His righteousness, His perfect law-keeping was then counted as ours. It's what we read about today in our common confession of faith from the Heidelberg Catechism. Without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned. As if I had never been a sinner. As if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. That's the degree of righteousness that is given to us, that is counted to us, that is credited to our account. And because of that, the Christian is now precious in the sight of the Father because we have been clothed with the garment of Christ's righteousness. And so now when the Father looks upon us, He sees and He counts Christ's obedience, Christ's righteousness as ours. And because of that foreign righteousness which has been imputed to us, we're now perfectly accepted in the Beloved, as we're told in Ephesians chapter 1. The righteousness of Christ belongs to the Christian through the cleansing, perfecting work of the Holy Spirit as we're joined to Jesus by grace through faith in him. That's what we see in in passages of Scripture like 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, where Paul writes saying, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, he says. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor many who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And such is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And that root word there in that passage, that root word for the word justified, is the same word that we have in our passage today that speaks of the righteousness that we're to long for. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been washed. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been made to be righteous, counted by the Father as being as upright as Jesus is upright. That's the righteousness that's ours because of our justification. But now is this really necessarily the kind of righteousness that Jesus was speaking of, that he was thinking of when he says in this passage that we must hunger and thirst for righteousness? To a degree, perhaps it was, but I I don't think that he was necessarily only thinking about this imputed righteousness that is ours through our justification, which comes when we're united by faith to Jesus. I'm reminded of a passage of Scripture from Hebrews 12, 14. There, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, as he writes to them at one point, he says, Strive for peace with everyone and strive also for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The holiness, the righteousness that's spoken of in this passage from Hebrews, that, that doesn't seem to be the holiness that automatically flows out of our justification. Because if, if the person is writing to Christians, those Christians already possess that imputed righteousness that comes to us as a result of our justification, that righteousness that comes to us as a result of our salvation. But it seems that the holiness and the righteousness without which no one will see the Lord, which those Hebrew Christians who have already been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, if that's something that they are to still yet strive for, That must be something else. And I think that same concept is present here in Matthew 5, 6. And one of the reasons that I'm convinced is is that the verb usage in our passage in Matthew is making use of of what's called present active participles. Present active participles. And that, that tends to describe something that's an ongoing activity. It's not just something that you do once and then you're done with it. But the verb tenses here suggest this ongoing application of oneself towards this thing. That the follower of Jesus Christ is to never stop pursuing righteousness. But instead, we're called to keep on hungering. That we're called to keep on thirsting over and over continually. Blessed are those, Jesus is saying here, blessed are those who keep on hungering. Blessed are those who keep on thirsting. Blessed are those who keep on doing that. It's they who will be satisfied. That's... Just another reason why I'm convinced that the, that the righteousness that Jesus is speaking of here in Matthew 5, 6 isn't just the, the righteousness of our justification, but that it's also the righteousness that flows from our sanctification. The righteousness of, of the Christian's ongoing growth in holiness. The follower of Jesus Christ, because they've been given the spirit of Christ, because they've been given the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, because through our union with Christ we have the spirit and the mind of Christ, then it's only natural that we would then also begin to have the desires of Christ become ours. And the desire of Christ is to desire to bring glory to the Father, through the way in which we live. The desire of Christ is holiness. The desire of Christ is righteousness. Think of Jesus' life. He lived to show us what holiness looks like. He shows us how He lived, what, what goodness and uprightness and righteousness looked like. He shows us what it looks like for someone to live after holiness, for someone to pursue holiness, for someone to live that out perfectly. He shows us what that looks like to seek after it, to apply oneself wholeheartedly to the pursuit and the apprehension of holiness and righteousness. Jesus shows us what it looks like to hunger and to thirst for righteousness. So much so that he, that he even said in John 4, 34, that my will is to do the will of him who sent me. Actually, that verse is, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the will of God. Jesus hungered and he thirsted so much after the will of God that he considered that, that he called that to be his food. He hungered and he thirsted for righteousness. And in our passage today, he calls upon us to think of righteousness in that same way, to hunger and thirst for it in that same way. First Thessalonians 4.3 tells us as much, For this is the will of God, Your sanctification. The will of God, our sanctification, the will of God is our growth in holiness, our growth in Christ-likeness. We're to apply ourselves to to His pursuit, to His apprehension, so much so that, that we're to strive after it with all of our being, craving after it, never stopping until it's made ours through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's that question, is this how you and I live? Do you and I, do we really seek to drive out any and all sin from our lives? Do you and I not give ourselves a free pass at any juncture where we might be tempted and even give in to justify our sin? Do we find ourselves giving in to gossip? Do we find ourselves hanging on to bitterness? Do we find ourselves refusing to offer genuine forgiveness to any who may have offended or sinned against us in any way? Well, if if we do, if we tolerate sin like that in our lives, well, that demonstrates that we're not hungering. It demonstrates that we're not thirsting after righteousness. And when we fail to do that, we're also failing to receive that state of blessedness that's available to us if we would but to seek to have our desires be conformed to the, de- to, to the desires of Christ. Martin Lord Jones, a famous British preacher from the mid-1900s, says this about the verse that we have before us today and about a Christian's desire for personal holiness. He says, I do not know of a better text that anyone can apply himself to in this whole matter of Christian profession than a verse like this. If this verse is to you one of the most blessed statements of the whole of Scripture, then you can be quite certain that you are a Christian. But if it is not, then you had better examine the foundations again. Is this what you want for your life? Is this what you pray for yourself daily? For yourself and for your loved ones? Do you pray daily? Do you desire above all else that the Lord would make you to be holy? That the Lord would give to you a holy zeal for obedience to His law. Do you, do I, together with the psalmist of, of Psalm 119 say, Oh Lord, how I love Your law. Do you and I attempt to truly mortify mortify sin in our flesh? Do we really seek to have sin be put to death in our lives? Do we apply ourselves to that? Do we daily seek to... Put off that which is earthly within us, as we're called to do in Colossians 3, 5. Do we daily seek to crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires, as we're called to do in Galatians 5, 24? Well, it's God's will that we would. And one of the reasons that it's God's will that we would is because it's also God's will that we would know this blessedness this happiness, this this deep satisfaction that is available to any who do seek righteousness like that. There's a satisfying blessedness that comes to the Christian through the righteousness that comes from justification. There's a satisfying blessedness that comes to the Christian through seeking after the righteousness that comes from our sanctification. There's also a satisfying blessedness that comes to the Christian, especially through the righteousness that will be ours in our glorification. That's where and when the Christian will experience the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate satisfaction that this verse promises, where upon the return of Jesus, all the promises of Scripture become yea and amen. After the Lord comes back and He receives the bride that's been prepared for Him, the church, and our lowly bodies are made to be glorious like His, and the souls of those who have died will be reunited with their renewed, perfected, glorified bodies. And in that day, in the day of the new heavens and the new earth, our bodies won't be the only thing that are perfected, but our hearts and our minds and our wills will also be perfected they'll also be glorified. And in that day, every redeemed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ will find ultimate satisfaction. They'll find ultimate blessing for this and every other beatitude promise. And in that day, in that day when we have been glorified in the new heavens and the new earth, received by the Lord unto Himself, in that day, we won't just be received part of the time. We won't just be satisfied temporarily, but we will receive an eternal satisfaction. In that day, we will know an eternal blessedness. And in that day, you and I will be perfect morally, perfect righteously, every bit as much as Jesus is perfect. And we'll never again have wrong, disordered desires. But in that day, we'll be freed from the duplicitous hearts and minds and we'll be transformed to a state where we will never sin again. Imagine that day, friends. Because in that day, it will be true of you and I perfectly that we will indeed hunger and thirst for righteousness And we will taste it. And we will find that. And we will be completely satisfied. Friends, that really is the the great hope of Christianity. That we'll be resurrected to new life. Transformed into that long-promised, finally, full, new creation. Where you and every other redeemed sinner who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ... We'll live that out perfectly in the new heavens and the new earth. And you'll live that life out in your bodies, in your glorified bodies. And oh, what a glorious existence that will be for us. And for all those who who even now hunger and thirst for it. This will be what awaits all those who now are hungering and thirsting after righteousness made righteous in our justification through faith in Jesus Christ, made more and more righteous in our sanctification as we're renewed more and more into the image of Christ as we battle sin in this life, and made completely and fully righteous in our glorification. This is our hope. And this will be our future reality. This will be the lived out experience for all those who have been redeemed by the Lamb. For all those who have been redeemed by the Lord. For blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Pray with me please. Lord Jesus we thank you. That you are the God who satisfies us. Lord, continue to renew our desires. Continue to give us new wills. Continue, Lord, to move in our hearts, in our lives, in our daily practice to drive out sin. May we be appalled. May we hate it. May we throw up in our mouth any time that we entertain engaging in sinful activity. May we be repulsed by it. And Lord, may we most be repulsed by our sin, by my sin not by the sin of those in the world. Yes, Lord, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will bring, um, you will bring righteousness to bear in every corner of the world. Um, you promise that that's one of, one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do. You, you will bring conviction and righteousness for sin. Um, but Lord, we pray that you would especially bring that in our lives. And in our homes. Lord, drive out wickedness from the cider home. Drive out wickedness of any kind that may be present in the Carrick home, in the Allen home, in the Schmidt home, in the Young home, in the Brightup home. And Lord, in its place, would you cause to spring forth from our lives the beautiful fruit of righteousness. Lord, you intend for us to eat and drink of righteousness far more in this life, far more in the lives we live in the flesh now than than we can ever imagine. Lord, wet our appetites, retrain our taste buds, To desire the flavor of righteousness more than the taste of sin. Lord, it would take a miracle for that to happen in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in this church. Fortunately for us, you are a miracle working God. For you were able to make your son. Come back to life after he had died, after Jesus had paid that penalty on the cross to make us to be acceptable to you. Work more and more newness of life in our lives, in the church and in the world, Lord, we pray. But Lord, to do that, we need your help. We need for you to cause our faith to grow more and more. Lord, we typically at this time would ask for you to strengthen our faith, to give us the spiritual nourishment that we need to live the Christian life. We would normally ask you to do that through the Holy Sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Lord, you know that we are not receiving that today, but Lord, we beg of you, we ask of you that you would grant a comparable blessing to us as we would receive, as we would partake of the bread and of the cup. Remind us of our union with Christ and the righteousness that is ours um, through his death that is shown forth in the Lord's Supper. Even though we don't taste those elements today, let us taste righteousness today. Let us taste the righteousness of Jesus Christ today, the obedience that he has. May we may we receive that into our Into our souls. May that strengthen our holy wills, Lord, we pray. Grant us a hunger and thirst for righteousness, a hunger and thirst for you, Lord. May we be um, grieved deeply over our sin and then have the balm of the gospel. Bring healing to those wounds, Lord, any time that we give into it. Enable us more and more to say no to sin and to say yes to you. Say yes to righteousness, Lord, we pray. Help us to remember how great you are, Lord, and how great is the salvation that you have accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. Do that for us this day and every day, Lord, we pray. Amen.